Hello, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is a dog and cat chat with Yasmin. Thank you so much for agreeing to take some time today to talk about your pets. Happy to be here. So... Tell me a little bit about the cast of characters and what you are looking to talk about today. Sure. So we have two old lady cats and one young dog. The cats are Zelda, who is uh, 13, I want to say, and Pangea, who is 12. And then we have a one-year-old dog named Fena. The cats have obviously been here a lot longer. I am in the cat room. This is my cat room and office. Fena does not have access to this part of the house, but the goal is to reintegrate the cats back into the house so that they're comfortable being out there with Fena. They can go out there. She cannot come in here. And how often do they go out there? Not very often. And it's been almost a year that she's been in our house. And so it sucks for them and it sucks for us because we want to be around our cats. But when they do go out there, you know, she's super interested in them and they don't appreciate that. Yeah. What does that behavior look like from Fena's point of view? Uh, you know, she gets like all play stancy and does some like high pitched playful bark and they typically will swat at her or run away, which of course initiates a whole chase sequence. Super mm-hmm. fun for her, not fun for them. Then they will either come back into here or into the go into the basement where is also like a dog free zone. So they have a couple escape routes, mm-hmm. but yeah, so it usually ends in a chase. Okay. And how close does the dog get to the cats during this, like within swatting distance? For one of them, yes. For Zelda, the older one, she can be in swatting distance. Pangea does not let it get that close. She's she's a little more tim, a lot more timid. Okay, so Zelda is like, come at me. <laughs> Zelda ain't scared of nothing. <laughs> okay, like I was here first. Mm-hmm. Come at me, swat swat. Fena thinks this is hilarious. Loves it. And then when Zelda realizes that it's the swatting isn't working, she tries to leave and chase ensues. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Okay, got it. Okay, and Pangea is just like, I'm out. Yep. And then chase ensues. Yep. <laughs> okay, great. I've got the lay of the land here. So what kind of management physically do you have in the house? So it's obvious you have like, separate areas for the cats that they can get into and the dog can't how are what's the barrier situation like it's one of those baby gates where like we cut out a little of one of the bars so that the cats can go through it but the dog can't fit through it so it that's it for on both sides right coming into here and going to mm-hmm. the basement that's what we use okay and so it sounds like the cats are not necessarily jumpers i mean they are older they're older and I don't know that they could necessarily jump where these gates are. Like they wouldn't be able to get enough momentum, I don't think, to jump over the gates. Got it. And so this chase that ends up happening, is there a specific spot in the house that it like tends to happen? Yeah, usually in the living room, which is like just outside this door and down the hall, basically, which is where the baby gate is. So kind of the main part of the house. Okay, so they're like, we're going to venture out and 
that also happens to be where the dog tends to hang out. I'm assuming because yeah. living rooms are comfortable. They show up. Doc says we, and then chases them back to where they just were. Yes. Got it. All right. So do the cats ever leave the room when you are in there for any reason? Yeah, they're not. Oh, no, there's one there. Zelda's not here, though. But she's probably down the hall in my daughter's room, who, which is also like part of the baby gated area. But yeah, they leave the room without me in here. Okay, so the bedroom area is the cat's domain. And so it's not just this one room. no. Okay, so that's good. Yes, except my daughter's four, and so, like, that's not great for cats either, you know? I mean, she's pretty good with them, but um, yeah, she can be loud and unpredictable and a toddler. Yeah, I I have a almost six-year-old and a three-year-old. I, I, yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> so the reason I ask is because I always try to think about, like, the predictability of these conflicts. Like, is there a situation in which it tends to happen a certain time during the routine during the day like if you're working in the office with them I'm assuming you're in an office and they are like hanging out on their own but then as you leave to go make lunch or something they want to follow you this is an example (laughs) then the chase would ensue is there any time kind of during the daily routine that it's more they're more likely to try to come out yes meal times for sure they need to come let me know when it's time to eat and they eat three times a day because they love to eat so i feed them three times a day and they will tell me when it's time and when they do they come out and pangea screams at me and then fena you know is alerted to what's happening and comes out and yes so there is some predictability to it okay so the first step is always going to be management and management is not just things like gates. So when we're looking at routine, we're also potentially looking at like an active management scenario. So if you hear, this is where my brain is going initially, right? If you hear the cats starting their I'm hungry thing, the first thing you could do is secure the dog Mm -hmm. before you start to make the cats food, right? Just so that in case things happen, the chase is not going to be able to occur because the chase is very reinforcing for the dog and scary for the cats. And so we want them to be able to start trusting the dog. The only way to do that is to prevent the dog from rehearsing these scary behaviors around the cats. So that would be my first recommendation. Is there a way to secure Fena when the cats are likely to come out? Totally. I don't know why that's never like occurred to me to think about these predictable moments throughout the day. But yeah, absolutely. There's places she can go or she can be leashed or crated or whatever during mealtimes-ish. Great. Great. So first of all, that's why I'm here. So (laughs) everyone says like, why didn't I think of that? I'm like, because... You need a second set of eyes. When you're in it, it's so hard to strategize. So here we are. So definitely that would be my first action item, right? Make sure that the cats, when they're starting their alarm, you go (laughs) address the dog. And then I would actually use those meal times potentially as an opportunity to have them be able to see each other from a safe distance while eating and contained. 
So this would be like venturing into some what I like to call casual setups where you're not actively like sitting by anyone and like treating for particular behaviors. You're just setting up the food-based enrichment that they're going to be engaged with, making sure that they can't get too close to each other. So the cats can watch the dog doing not scary behaviors and they're having a pleasant experience while they're doing it because they like food. And the dog is engaged in some kind of enrichment activity that is relatively calm so that she's getting an opportunity to practice appropriate calm behaviors when the cats happen to be there. So I'm assuming the dog doesn't get fed three times a day. No. But probably twice and maybe like a lunch snack. She gets loads of snacks and enrichment and like puzzles and licky mats. And so, yeah, we could totally, I think a licky mat or a snuffle mat would be perfect for this sort of thing. Yeah, so that's usually what I recommend. So there's a certain like progression of different types of setups that I recommend based on what I call the interactive tendencies of the animals. So your cat, this is a very stereotypical situation where the dog is space reducing, wants to get to the cats, <laughs> make the space between them as small as possible. The cats are space seeking. They're like, hex to the no, I do not want to be around you. And so there are certain types of setups that tend to work best in this scenario in a certain order. So the first one would be, ideally, the cats would be doing a stationary type enrichment. So a licky mat would be great, potentially up, elevated a little bit. I know they're not jumpers, but if they'd like to go up on perches in some way, you could have one of those available so that they have a little bit of a better view of what the dog is doing. This is with like a gate as well in there or in the same room they're elevated? I would like to start them as far apart as they can be with a barrier in between and being able to see each other. So if the dog is like behind an X-pen or something or the cats are on one side of their baby gate at like the back of the hall and the dog is kind of in the living room also being able to see. Gotcha. Depending on whether your hallway is an L, (laughs) that might work too. And so the setup that I would recommend for the dog is not necessarily just one snuffle mat. I would actually provide stations for her so that she's like really doing something else and the cats are able to see that she can move around a space in a way that is not just straight at them. (laughs) Because like, that's what they know, right? They appear, dog comes barreling into their face. And so that first realization that like, oh, you know, she could move around a space and be not fixated on me. That's really interesting. And it tends to kind of like switch the cat's (laughs) brains a little bit and they get a bit more brave, especially when they're able to see it from an elevated perspective. So you could do that once a day. You could do that twice a day. You could do it three times a day if you want, but most people just start with once, (laughs) see how it goes. So how does that sound in terms of using those mealtimes as like a signal to do a kind of hands-off casual type of setup with everybody? Yeah, no, that sounds perfect. We're in fact going to do it right after we get off this call because it's almost the cat's lunchtime and we have a pretty good setup here for that so yeah totally great so 
you can take video and I like to kind of keep a little bit of track of how things are going with the setup so that we know when we're ready to move on. So what you're looking for is if the animals are like actively looking at each other, they are able to disengage on their own. So this is not like a look away, like look at that right. look away kind of scenario. If they are fixated for longer than four-ish seconds, then you need to get their attention away and either end the setup or put more distance between them. And so when you get like quick glances and there's not a lot of like stress signals or stiffness from anyone, then you can start to move on either making that setup look diff slightly different or going on to another setup in the progression. But you'll probably stay at this one for a while. And the great thing about it is that you can just slightly move the stations and slightly adjust where the cats are. And that is good enough. We want like just slightly different each time not to plateau into just doing the same thing over and over again. Cool. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Meal times can kind of be my cue to set up to do these setups. So a good reminder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to cue yourself when there's behavior change. Yep, totally. <laughs> but essentially, if you don't do a setup, you still need to secure the dog yes. for every meal. Yeah. Time. And then what you should start to see is that the frequency of these like big behavior blowups should go down because of the management that you've put in. And if there are other times where you start to see things kind of crop up in a pattern, then you adjust your management accordingly. But this is obviously like the most common situation that causes issues. So we'll tackle it first. Cool. Sounds great. Do you have any questions about what you're going to embark on as soon as we hang up? <laughs> <laughs> I guess my only question is, so I'm pretty sure that Zelda will be, you know, successful with this and not really care about Fena. Pangea though... I don't know if she'll eat in Fena's presence at all, like even if we're down the hall. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, should I just keep increasing the distance from Fena? Yes. So as far away as possible. And you want to make sure that the cats have access to an escape. So you're going to start like right near this room mm -hmm. probably with, and the door will be open. Yeah. So if she's like, heck no, I'm not going to eat she at least can reinforce herself by leaving and not getting chased because there's <laughs> there's a barrier there. So, you know, we're using what she would naturally do to reinforce being able to see the dog and then move away. Okay, got it. And then, you know, if she really won't eat, then we know that that's something that we need to adjust a setup sure. on because if eating is not happening, then yep. she's too stressed and it's too stressed, we can't move right, on. Right. So, okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Cool. So I look forward to, I would love some video of this. Um, and then the people who are listening might be able to see kind of what this looks like too. In real life, it's nice to think about the, <laughs> the hype, hypothetical setup, but it's good to kind of put the visual to the description. Yeah, for sure. I video everything with training sessions with my pets. So I can definitely do that. Awesome. Sounds great. So I am hopeful that this starts the process off on the right foot. And if anyone else who is listening has a similar 
situation, then you can potentially use this as inspiration for what you might start doing. And I appreciate your time, Yasmin, and thank you to everyone else who is listening. If this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs, please subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. And I would be so appreciative if you'd take a few minutes to review the podcast because your support helps other people find the show and get access to cat and dog specific content, which there is not that much of. And if you want to be awesome like Yasmeen and do a dog and cat chat with me on the podcast, make sure to follow me on Instagram at praiseworthypets and head to my link in the bio to schedule your time. And that is all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. I will see you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. Bye.